With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the people who turned a niche Scottish football podcast into a critically acclaimed TV show on the BBC. It's Review from the Terrace, a pop culture podcast network. Hello and welcome to the Still Game podcast. My name is Bethany Tenick. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Rewatchable. Hello and welcome to Review from the Turnbuckle. Debating the best in movies, iconic TV shows, classic albums, peak era wrestling and so much more. Some intern got fired for that. Like, <laughs> be like, Jared! And what would you have done? <laughs> Loved it. What a moment. What a moment. Review from the Terrace brings together a collection of professionals, pals, misfits and special guest interviews. The one and only Ewan Angus. Big G Telfer. Director of Snow Games, Michael Hines. That's Review from the Terrace, a newly created podcast network with at least two shows dropping every week. Hi, neighbour. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man. It's been a long time, man. Many people will say it's the biggest moment in the history of wrestling. It's about 35. <laughs> <laughs> Find us on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Dave Watson. Hi, Fergus. And Paul Doolan. Hi. Hi, Paul. Dave, See, do you, not think that, do you not think that was a bit of a um, delay on Paul saying hi? So maybe it's just that it's the second person takes a little bit of a gap. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Dave, you've got a, a bit of a cold. Yeah, so if I um, sneeze or anything, I apologise in advance. I've got COVID, Dave. All right, got, well, I don't know if you've heard about it, COVID-19. I've got coronavirus. Yeah? Are you okay? I haven't had any messages of support from you, no get well soon cards. <laughs> well, no, because I know you're a, you're a prime specimen, so you're not at risk, are you? you you'll be fine. You'll, you'll shrug it off like you Carl did. Dallow went, Carl Dallow went to hospital, Dave. He did, yeah. Me. I well, you, like maybe fit. you should be playing in goal. Maybe I should. I mean, he's physically fitter than you, but you are a handsome man, Fergus Craig. Thanks, Dave. It's about time someone said it. Um, <laughs> no, it's been um, a tough few days. I caught um, 
coronavirus at the uh, Crystal Palace Brentford game that I talked about on the last podcast. And at that moment in time, I didn't know that I was suffering from COVID. But the lessons I've learned, the lesson I've learned from it, is never go to the football. Never go to the football, and that may well be the lesson learned by <laughs> the people who did go to the football since our last podcast and watched two Newcastle United games. So we played Burnley in the Carabao Cup. That was nil-nil, went to penalties. None of us saw it because it wasn't broadcast and unfortunately we weren't able to attend the game. But we went out of the Carabao Cup early. I, I don't want to say it, speak too soon, but I feel like this could herald another trophyless <laughs> And uh, we played Southampton at home and it was a 2-2 draw. Dave, thoughts? I mean, the the Burnley game, I don't want to go too much into it because, I I mean, I didn't watch it. I didn't even listen to it. Um, Everything I've seen suggests that it was pretty poor, but then both teams made a huge number of changes. And, you know, it's... It it felt like a a wasted opportunity because had we named a a stronger side, we might have been able to get through Burnley. That would have given us momentum to take into the next, you know, run of fixtures, all this kind of stuff. And it gives you something to look forward to, another, you know, the cup campaign. But I'd, it's it's kind of what I expect with Newcastle these days. So going out of the cup early is is not a surprise and it doesn't, doesn't bother me too much. I'm more worried about league form. Of course, yeah. It, I mean, what it did do is it didn't help the move, which is already very, very grim. So going out at the first opportunity in the Carabao Cup against another Premier League side, albeit Burnley, isn't a huge disaster. But Steve Bruce did have an opportunity there to maybe not turn the mood in any way, but maybe stop the river of fundament. (laughs) his response was that we wasn't like we didn't lose on the night which is not not the best reaction to going out of the cup I did listen to the game and it sounded we we deserved to win that game and miss some sitters but you just think a stronger starting 11 like Dave says and we we win that easily but I think we we all predicted um, penalties didn't we as well I did watch the highlights, brief as they were, on what channel is it? Are they on? The, the Carabao oh, Cup God. highlights. Like, like Eurosport Quest. 4? No, no, it's like Quest. Uh-huh. It's like a TV channel that seems to only exist to show Carabao Cup highlights. <laughs> and and uh, brief as they were, I watched the highlights of the Newcastle game. They showed about five moments from it. And they were all us. There wasn't a single moment of attack from Burnley worthy of featuring in the highlights. And most of our highlights in that game were from Jeff Hendrick. Yeah, he sounded like he had a decent game. Likewise, Mankio playing at right wing back. He was brought off early, I assumed probably to start against Southampton, but still on the bench. I'm not sure. It just doesn't seem to be fancied. There's a lot of that going around. Yeah. Um, 
Well, let's talk about Southampton. Uh, <clears throat> I think we all watched it. Paul, what were your thoughts on the Southampton game? We, I mean, the first half was as bad as anything we've served up recently. It felt, as much as the end of last season felt like we've got Willock in now and we've, we're playing more on the front foot. This was a return to very much 5-3-2, not 3-5-2. We were so deep and we just, the problem we've had for, it feels like eight years now, is that we just don't know what to do when we've got possession. We don't play particularly well when we're pressed and it all kind of combined in that first half to be as bad as anything we've seen for a long time. Yeah. But then second half, we actually played on the front foot a bit more. I think it's not a huge amount of positives. We we both should have won and deserved to lose. So in a weird way, the draw the draw feels a bizarre result and kind of underwhelming, but more than we deserved. I know that's a weird thing to say what you've said, but I completely agree with it. But if Steve Bruce answered that in a press conference, we should have won and deserved to lose, then everyone would lose their fucking mind. Yeah. Through everything he says. Dave? Uh, I don't think we deserve to win uh, at all. I think that we were so bad in the first half. We benefited from some unbelievable misses yeah. from Southampton. Like Southampton should and could and should have been like two or three goals up in that first half, deservedly so. The second half, yes, we came out and we we played with a lot more intensity. And you can only assume that that was either senior players or Steve Bruce putting a rocket under them and, and saying, "Enough's enough." you got to pull your finger out here or where we are going to lose and lose heavily. So we did press more. Um, you, you said that we don't seem to play well against the press um, and haven't done for a while. I think under previous managers, we have dealt with the press better. Um, I think that under Steve Bruce, we don't. Uh, I think we don't have the confidence to play the ball around and you know draw the press from left to right or uh, find those pockets of space with 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 clever play um and we i don't know we there's two ways to do it you either pass through the press which we don't have the technical players or you pass over the press into into space but we weren't doing that either so i think it's um, a weird we if you compare it if you compare it to the Leicester game at the end of the last season i know Leicester faded quite badly but it just it was just a lack of the basics as well. We just weren't tackling or pressurising anybody on their team. Yeah, just, I think there were two different games that happened, neither of which were spectacular from us at all. The, the first half was absolutely dreadful. And I think that it's a thing that we, we tend to do where I can understand what the aim was. Southampton beat us quite badly last season, certainly the first time we played them. I can't remember what happened the second time. Second one, we won 3-2 with eight men left at the end. Yes. (laughs) Was that mental game? Oh, yeah, that was a stunning performance. But the first one, um, we did really struggle with them pressing us. And we're just a team that, in general, against those kind of sides, does struggle in possession. So I think there was a completely logical uh, thinking that we're going to allow them to have the ball and we're going to play quite deep and defensively. But I think 
what you have to do when you do that is play with a lot of intensity. Just playing defensively doesn't mean, I think there's a thing that we've tended to do quite a lot over the last couple of seasons is, is, um, is when we're trying to play cautiously or defensively, it's like we, we have no intensity at all. It's like the idea is that you dial down part of playing cautiously is to dial down any intensity. So what it meant was that we were, we were second to every ball, every 50, yeah. 50 challenge we lost. And if we did ever play a pass, it was very, we didn't move the ball quickly or anything. So it was dreadful that first half. And I think we really agree we did deserve to, the, if you take the game as a whole, 90 minutes, because that first half was so bad, we deserve to lose. But I also agree with Paul that because we managed to, by hook or by crook, in the second half, we did manage to get ourselves ahead twice, which we also did in the last Premier League game against... No. Are you talking about the West Ham game? Against West Ham, we got ourselves ahead as well. Um, So we managed to do that and should have, you would hope, found a way to get all three points, even though I agree, when you look at 90 minutes, we didn't deserve it. Yeah, because I think on on the WhatsApp chat that we had, I think you two were saying that... um, that you were frustrated that uh, like the cells wasn't going to get the criticism um, because it was his uh, foul in the box that uh, led to their, you know, 96th minute equaliser. Um, and my, my position was that if you look at it over the, the course of the 90 minutes, then it's not down to one player making one mistake in the 90th minute that we drew that game. It was, the entirety, we didn't defend, even in the second half, we weren't defending well. We were still relying on Southampton making mistakes. And um, Bruce gets a lot of criticism from me from not managing games. And I think that's something that we've seen throughout his tenure, that he doesn't know, like you're saying, when, when he wants to uh, defend a lead, we we do drop back, which is sensible, but we don't press and like you're saying, we don't have that intensity and that has to come from both the manager putting those instructions across, like get forward, press harder, do that, move in this, whatever. But it's also got to come from the players. Okay, well, um, there's lots more to say about that game and, of course, about the transfer window and some stuff from you on social media. So we're going to have a quick break now and we will be back in a moment. Welcome back. Good break, guys. Lovely. Yeah. I've got, oh, a, yeah. I've got a, a big pack of tissues. It's not that kind Fantastic. of pod, Dave. It's not that kind of pod. It's not that kind of pod. <laughs> Unless you are turned on by a decade of decline. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so we were, we were going to talk. We were talking about the Southampton game, and I think there's there's much more to say. Um, the, the the theme beyond the general vibe around Newcastle United for the last few years under the Mike Ashley era, that the, there's always at this stage of the season every year usually 
we're all angry and depressed and talking about relegation. In terms of the football, the theme of the season so far is that defensively we're crap. That's what it is, isn't it, this year? Yeah, I think I think it stems to a bigger problem that we're playing a formation that the manager doesn't want to play, doesn't believe in. We don't have the players or the squad depth to play that formation. But there seems to be a feeling amongst some of the players, especially the defenders, that we can't defend without five at the back. And if we can't defend with, if that's us defending well, what we've seen from the start of this season, I sort of think we, I feel like we're going to reach another moment soon where Bruce says, okay, we're doing it my way again. And we're going 4 4 2. It does feel like the experiment is sort of who's that formation best suited to really it's it's playing two wingers as wingbacks and neither's looking particularly good at the moment i just I mean the, the irony is talent if we played a front three is any three of almiron fraser wilson st maxim and jolin to, to choose from in their natural positions like ryan fraser's playing for scotland tonight he's not playing as a central midfielder no. The irony think, is that, um, yeah. that that we have scored four goals so far this season, and one of them was by was scored by Jacob Murphy. Two of them were made by Jacob Murphy. At least one of them was made by Jacob Murphy. At least another one was made by Matt Ritchie. So from Having two wingers at, at wing-back, and I'm not saying we wouldn't get those goals from other places if we were playing a different formation, but they are providing an attacking threat. At least they've made some goals. Yeah. But they are alive. I mean, I, I, I take your point, but then <coughs> having two wingers at, at, at wing-back does mean that you're, you are susceptible on the flanks and you are going to concede a lot more a lot more um, op- uh, opportunities to the opposition I think we'd be better suited with four at the back with Domit and Manquillo and have a defensive unit like a player 4-3-3 with Hayden that back four with the the pace and movement of the of the attacking unit that Paul was mentioning up front to, to make the space and to, to, to play uh, to play expansively and just have that those five players at the back plus the keeper as as the defensive unit because we're playing with so many men at the back and we're still bad at defending that what's the like like yeah. simple who, who's that for like why are we playing with five at the back I don't believe it's the players saying we have to play five at the back don't because I don't I think, think it was Richie last season, though. I think there was a clamor from the players to go back to five at the back because that's what they were used to. I don't know if it's what, under still Rafa? the case. No, under Bruce last season, remember, we started the season, I think, playing four and we reached the point yeah. of switching back to the five because it was felt amongst the team that that's what we needed to do. But you can tell there's I don't think Bruce particularly believes in it. Problem is, it's now shaping our transfer strategy as well. 
So sort of looking for players Oof. to plug the gaps of that system, but apparently looking. Yeah. The, 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 the problem is, we did finish the season in really good form playing this way. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, we made a decision to start the season this way, uh, of which there's a real logic to. And, there, and we did end last season with Richie and Murphy at Wimber. Mm. Yeah. I, I think there needs to be... It's not, it's, it's not working. I get the like, feeling from Bruce, though, that he sort of feels that way as well, of like, he doesn't know why it worked at the end of last season. Like, switching to the back five seems to have worked, so we'll keep it as that. But I don't think it's a coincidence as well. Every game, we've finished with four at the back when we're chasing a win because that's what he thinks will get the result. Which is, it's damning of, of Steve Bruce as a, as a mm. modern manager. If he can't look at this squad and say, all right, five of the back's not the way I want to play, so I'm going to get the, this squad of players to play the way I would like them to play, and I, I'll shift people around. Like Richie has played as a, you know, as full on fullback before. Murphy's done it before. So if he wants to keep those players on the pitch, then they can do that role. So it's it's damning that he can't. Well, I'm see assuming the, if, if you've got those two players playing at wing back and everyone's complaining that we've got wingers at wing back, then yeah, sure. If but we if, don't put them to fullback, then. My point was that if he wants them to be on the pitch, he can either play them as, you know, we could play a 4-5-1 and have them as out-and-out wingers and we can play them, you know, there are options, there are a multitude of formations that we can be playing, a multitude of styles that we can be playing. If Steve Bruce can't look at this squad and find out what, what, the, fo- what the best formation and system is after he's been at the club for two seasons and we haven't made a great deal of first-team changes, it's only Joe Willock that's been added this window and that was the same as last year. We've, we, you know, he should know what plays to play in what position and in what formation and in what style. He should know this by now. He's, he's been in the job long enough. He's managed sufficiently disparate clubs at dis, like different levels. He should know it. Fair enough. I, I, I'm going to do my general thing that goes against the grain of every football fan. It would seem, but aside, aside from uh, the first, I mean, I predicted we would lose this game 3-1 against Southampton and I predicted everyone would lose their shit, but they shouldn't. We ended up drawing 2-2 and we were in the lead twice and could have won. We were in the lead twice against West Ham. I mean, the downside of that is both times we've like, come away from those situations not with all three points but mm. I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as uh, Newcastle fans would have you make out there were some positives Sean Longstaff looked good in central midfield for the first time in a while St Maximin and Wilson look as dangerous as normal and the team seemed fitter in the second half than it has recently it's the annoying thing of you shouldn't need three games to get up to basic fitness. There's a, I think the first half was so bad that it 
it coloured the mood for the whole game. And it it undid any idea that the end of last season was a corner turned, if you could revert back to that bad straight away. But I don't know. It wasn't... Plenty of teams will not beat Southampton this year, I think, and it won't be a disaster. But it's hard to but view it if, just as one result. I think if we'd gone in at half-time 2-0 down, which, like I said before, was entirely possible, and then gone on to draw 2-2, the mood, in, uh, mood of Newcastle fans would be a lot brighter. But it is that as bad as we were in the first half, we didn't, we weren't as good as that in the second. We were just much better than we were in the first half. We, we still weren't great. Like I said, we weren't good defensively. Southampton was still profligate. I see, I see like things to be concerned about that I don't have faith in the, the coaching staff and the manager to turn around like got Graham Jones day. <laughs> but then if we're playing example, the system that Graham Jones put in for us, which everyone told us was thank praise be to Graham Jones, the greatest coach on earth. And now if, that that system isn't working, it's all Steve Bruce's fault. I think if uh, I actually did complain about the coaching staff as well as uh, Steve did, Bruce, and so. I just thought I'd name one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so my thing is that if if we'd gone in, if we'd in the transfer window brought in a couple of players on loan, who maybe a wing back or another central midfielder or a striker on loan or something like that, I think the mood would have picked up even after the Southampton game because then you can see that the the issues that this squad are facing have been addressed or tried at least like acknowledged in the transfer window. We've made like our first team is no different to what was at, at the end of last season. And our squad for all their, you know, faults, our squad is weaker. We, you know, we don't have a, a fourth choice, a fourth choice striker and Andy Carroll. We don't have like Matty Longstaff's gone off on loan and we've like Saive Muto and Atsu and all the rest. They've all gone not been replaced at all. So the, the squad as a whole is weaker, even if it's in terms of bodies. That's why, like, on the back of the set, the, the, the anger after the Southampton game, because we were bad, hasn't gone away. And it won't go away until this squad start playing better. Paul, uh, we've moved on to uh, the transfer window, um, which slammed shut as we speak last night. Um, I was a little bit surprised by the um, anger at the end of transfer deadline day, only because I just was so unsurprised by what happened. I thought we all knew we weren't going to get anyone. I think I thought we all expected that. Anyway, yeah, I think. Well, I think the thing that lulled a lot of us in was the fact that Bruce has managed to get Ashley to do things he doesn't normally do before, like the signing of Wilson. And you just sort of thought there's such glaring gaps in the squad here that need addressing. Surely that's going to happen. And we did clear. He was talking about loan signings, wasn't he? Yeah. And we cleared so much of the wage bill compared to before, which we're always told they needed to be shipped out before we could bring anyone in. And you do that part and it still doesn't happen. I think it's a good reminder for a lot of 
a lot of the fan base at the minute that are going on about Bruce, it doesn't matter what manager we have, that's going to happen every time. And it's almost a blessing that we haven't got a decent manager because you just think if we're knocking on like European places in every transfer window, there's still no attempt to bring in the right players. That would that would kind of hurt more, at least the, the sort of stick, middling along. The current stick to beat Bruce with about this is, um, well, because it's a disgrace what we've done in the transfer window, and I, and I agree, it's it, it's well, it's your standard. It's neglect. Mike, really, Ashley, isn't it? Mike Ashley transfer window, isn't it? What, like one every four transfer windows, he sort of surprises you with a couple of half-decent sizing signings. But when you look at it over time, we are not spending anything like the clubs around us. And that's what he does. But or the newly promoted to... clubs as well. That's the other annoying <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. We can't but find the money that they can. The current dig at, at, at Bruce is that because of that, he should just resign. But then the, the next logic of that is that, like, no manager should ever join Newcastle United. No fan should ever go. No player should turn up. It just, it's a, like, the logic of that is, uh, how far do you go with that? Yeah, no, I think I, if I, your I, fan if, go into the games, he says Bruce should walk out and not put up with this, you shouldn't be going to the games as well, if that's your moral stance on it. You're sort of telling him to do something you're not willing to do. I take your points, but I, I think it, you, you can't really blame Steve Bruce for the transfer, like the lack of transfer um, activity. Uh, I think that he, he was so desperate to get Joe Willick that I think that stopped him getting other players because the... Um, the, the club prefers to buy in a lump sum and not have transferred debt. Um, I think we're the only club in the Premier League up until the Joe Willock transfer not to have no transfer debt whatsoever. And that's the way the club wants to run. So because we we like almost like shot our wad to get Joe Willock, the, the club weren't even willing to pay the one and a half million pound loan fee to get Hamza Chowdhury on loan from Leicester. Now, I don't know how good Chowdhury is. I've not seen enough of him, but one and a half million quid when we, like you saying, Paul, we've, we've shaved a hundred grand a week off the, the, the way budget. It seems like buttons to a Premier League club. It just seems like buttons. And it, it feels like a gamble that, the squad and the manager are good enough to survive and that's all they care about. Yeah. They may revisit, revisit in January when the next tranche of TV money comes in, but it, it's, it's neglect. And it, the only way it's going to change is when Ashley leaves. He's never going to change his mind and consistently invest in the squad. It's only ever going to be piecemeal and... It's yeah. shit. We, it's we really all, shit. We, we all know this. We all know this, yeah. don't we? And it, and it is a, it is a, a, a case of just like bashing your head against the wall. But a bit because there's been the idea that there might be a takeover around the corner. Ashley's going to be more Ashley than he's ever been because there is there's no even pre- pretense of trying to make it make out that there might be a project. 
it is quite yeah. clear that the only goal is to keep us in the Premier League. And aside from the two times he's failed to do that, um, he the the way he's doing it does kind of work. I think as well because Ashley and, and, because because Ashley's not emotionally invested in Newcastle either. He just looks at it with a, as a much wider thing. I think a lot of fans at the end of last season would have said, if we keep together the side that finished strongly and manage to get Joe Willock in as a permanent signing, that's a good window. I think Ashley isn't swayed by us being shit in three games because he doesn't care about three games. He cares about 38. But that's yeah. not what you care about as a fan. I, I think that um, what what jars with me slightly is that when he's let the manager buy what he wants, whoever the manager is, it's only really McLaren who failed to deliver. You know, because when when Benitez was uh, had the window in the championship, he he spent you know he sold a lot of players, brought a load in, and was given you know, the, almost free reign to buy whatever style of footballer he, he thought was necessary, which is why we were picking up Grant Hanley and uh, Daryl Murphy and players like that. And then we're in the window and he, he, <coughs> he you know, he convinced us to get, um, uh, when when Bruce convinced them to spend money on Wilson and on Fraser and, and Hendrick, we stayed up. We finished, you know, on 40, 44, 45 points. So when you let them make the signings your minimum target is met we we do stay up it's when you uh, i guess his, his, his gamble is well i'll see where we are in in january i'm not defending it it's depressing no 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 it's just it's, just, it's the way it and I, the I, worry the, the worry for me is that if january combined we are say 15th and six points clear of the the relegation spots Mike Ashley could very well gamble and say, "We're all right. We don't need any players. You know, we're six points clear. We've we've won enough points so far to to stay out of the the bottom three. I don't think we need to. I'm certainly not going to. We won't see a permanent signing in January. We might see a couple of lone players, but even then, he might not fancy it. Um, and that for me is a real worry because we might not be good enough to stay up this year." I think the thing no, with not, Ashley's not. gambles as well, the thing with gambling is normally there's one bad outcome and one exciting outcome. With the gambles he has for Newcastle, there's a shit outcome and just sort of grey. There's no, like, there's never any gambling that something decent is going to happen. It's the shittest casino in the world. Yeah. yeah. So there's an awful lot to talk about and... Uh, because of that, I think we're going to do a bonus podcast because it's the international break. So, uh, and we've had a lot of questions on Twitter. So, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap this podcast up, and then I don't know when. At some point in the next couple of days, when you least expect it, when you least expect it, four o'clock in the morning, one of us will be shouting in your face. There's a new natter out. There's a new natter out. So check your podcast feeds, and. Um, We'll have another bonus podcast for you where we will go through some of the stuff on social media. We will no doubt get into a long, protracted, circular conversation 
about um, Newcastle United under the management of Steve Bruce. And we will have a game of Life After Love, the game which is sweeping the nation. If you never heard it, well, you've got something to look forward to. The Newcastle United game, Life After Love. We'll be playing that in the next podcast. But in the meantime, thank you very much, Paul Doolan. Thank you. Thank you, Dave Watson. Thank you. And thank you to you, the Newcastle United listener. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.